Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 161 of It's Not My Fault, the OASG podcast is not popular. My name is Helen. My name is Justin. And uh, the majority of this episode can be devoted to Anime NYC, since Justin and I both went, and oh my god, I don't think we've ever had this many licenses to report on a single episode. This is just crazy pants numbers. Yeah, it's it's a little little crazy. (laughs) But um, I I think before we actually get into the amounts of licenses, because all these companies wanted to garner with a bang before the year was up, uh, we should probably actually just talk about the general convention experience. Um, We're actually going to come at this with different perspectives, because I went as press. Helen did not win as press. And I went for my Uh, first time, and you went as a returning member of the press brigade. Press club? And in general, just in the, from, like, MUXC, I think, started in 2017. Well, I'm basically a Javis Center. I, I'm pretty sure I've been to the Javis Center every year, <laughs> whether I want to or not. My condolences. <laughs> so, um, I have much experience going to the Javis Center. So, um, but yeah, uh, this is obviously, I think, the fifth or six i know obviously covid knocked it out for one of the years they were giving out badges for their fifth anniversary so okay fifth. fifth. <laughs> okay fifth i can remember that um excuse me <clears throat> so yes um i can only give my perspective as once we played press that meant all i had to do was submit the required information and they just needed to approve it or not and they did so i can basically say uh, off the bat right off the bat a hundred times better than what happened last year. A thousand times better <laughs> uh, than last year. Because obviously last year they tried to implement COVID-19 protocols only to have much deep confusion for everybody involved. Um, they pretty much gave the instructions um, prior to the convention of what I had to do, where I had to go, and how I got the wristbands and everything. And that process did not take very long. Um, so yeah, just from that perspective, already immediately better <laughs> than last year for sure. Um, and then just from overall stuff, like I was pretty much able to get to all the panels I wanted to just relatively on time. The only one I was like really late to was the book welcome one, but I was just like minorly late. I may have been, they may have started just a little bit early. Like I think it was like 5.15, but it started like maybe like 5.14 or whatever. And it just announced who was like doing the panel, like was actually moderating the panel and stuff that's literally about it i i was surprised i'd have to like wait or anything like that so um i don't know if it's just because the reservation uh tickets may have been in, in may have helped because you knew what was going to be the most popular uh panels at certain times versus what would draw a crowd but not as heavy a crowd um the room seemed to be right for all the panels i went to so um just from that perspective I would say everything was mostly clean, and I was able to just mostly be able to get around the convention without any usual troubles that usually pops up during a convention like this. Yeah, I guess I ran into more panel troubles than you did. Uh, also, no issues picking up my wristband. I hopped off my bus on Thursday and got in like 30 seconds, and whenever I was coming in through the general attendee entrance on Friday and Saturday, there was basically no waiting your speed at getting in was determined by how fast you could walk um and one of my takeaways from being in new york is that new yorkers walk slow or they walk slower than i expected anyway since 
prior to this, I you probably just, you probably just move unnecessarily fast. I mean, that is possible. But prior to this, I had been in New York for one day in like. 2005 or something like i've barely ever been to new york city um so that was one of my general takeaways from the city but for the conventions uh i mean there also weren't a lot of panels everything is just very heavily industry focused at anime nyc compared to cons that i'm used to like otakon or even my first con my first home con animazement which are all non-profit this just felt felt kind of neutered, honestly. Kind of like they were setting up an industry event and then realized, oh shit, we could sell tickets to people and make more money off of this. Since it felt like everything was very focused on, here's a company trying to sell you things right now. Um, so there wasn't a lot of panels to go to. Um, I did go to the Belle Sings one, which was um, Belle's English voice actress doing a short concert. First time she's done anything like that. So of course, a lot of people wanted to go. And that was in one of the smaller panel rooms. So that also meant that the panel lineup room was on the smaller side. So I was lucky to get a seat by sitting on the floor um, since a lot of people did not get in. And that one also just started like 40 minutes late. I think the panel before it had gone over. And then I think I overheard something about plugging in the piano and the computer just overloaded the system or something. <laughs> Yeah, since she played both piano and guitar at different points, accompanying her singing, which was really nice to hear live. It was really interesting. I was glad I saw it, but that one just... It, it felt like some better planning could have been used there, and they definitely could have stuck her in a bigger room and filled it as well. Maybe not the entire special events hall, but I went there for the um, reincarnated as a slime special event. That was the one panel lottery thing I had tried to reserve and got. But even that had a lot of empty seats where I was sitting. It made me think about how at Otakon, when they're sending people in, they'll send people in with groups and they'll have um, some of the staff with like lightsabers directing you around like, okay, you follow the people in red, you follow the people in green. So they're able to see people pretty fast for big events. And I felt like they could have used that here since if there had been staff telling us all to squish in, you know, all you unmasked people squish in together, they could have fit even more people into that room. Also, yeah, I, I thought the masking was pretty atrocious at this con. <laughs> Yeah, you know what's funny? I don't know if you'll agree with me or not. I felt like Friday felt like it was the most, like, I see people masked up. But then the weekend was just, like, Saturday, Sunday, just not, not really. I wasn't in there on Sunday, and I didn't notice a real big difference between Friday and Saturday, but I could have just been too exasperated by that point. Yeah, I, I think, obviously, just knowing that if you're getting into the convention, you have to show proof of vaccination was good enough but yeah as you probably expected new york is not really a masking place helen it's just not and that also contributed and also that extended into the java center yeah i know i overheard a staff member talking at one point that there were actually staff who were designated as mask captains but i never saw staff enforcing the masking over the course of the weekend and when you don't see the staff doing it you as an attendee don't feel like they've really got your back it kind of makes you feel like even if I tell someone to wear a mask, nobody's going to back me up here. So I either need to have a firm enough personality to just make people do it, or they're just not going to do it since I don't want to punch somebody and get thrown out of the convention. Pretty much. <laughs> uh, in general, you know, I don't feel like this convention usually has enough volunteers. I don't know. But that's just how I've always noticed it. So if they had a mask cap, they definitely didn't know. <laughs> 
yeah, Oticon just opened an official Discord, and so it's been buzzing the past few days. And I found from there that they have like between four to six hundred staff for a convention that ended up accidentally being like forty-two thousand people this year. And it sounds like that's kind of low. Um, so I could totally understand conventions not having enough staff, and it's kind of hard to figure that out, you know, from a glance. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, I do wonder. I was I, when I was adding my thoughts about the masking situation for my article that's gonna should be out soon like before this podcast but we'll see but um Helen's text will be making a special guest appearance in the article <laughs> <laughs> um but i was wondering like will this protocol continue moving forward because they're definitely going to be thinking about whether or not they're going to keep having this moving forward so um it's just things to worry about if the masking up is going to be a huge thing because it's obviously not really that much of a thing in most places. I mean, you still see people wearing masks, but not as much as you would think in New York City, so. But yeah, it was just, everyone's been asking me, oh, how did you like your convention? Which is fine. I mean, my family keeps asking me, how did you like your conference? And it's like, guys, I've been doing this for over 10 years. You guys need to remember by now, it's a convention, not a conference. Hey, 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 hey. When you do an anime club, you have to basically tell the people in charge, we're going to a conference. (laughs) No, like my parents have known for like over 10 years that I've been going to anime conventions, not conferences. Um, But yeah, overall, it just felt a little meh. I mean, partially it was because of how they distributed tickets this year, which meant that a lot of folks I would have normally have wanted to hang out with didn't go just because there were fewer three-day tickets compared to one-day tickets and I did hang out with some folks including Justin for a bit um so that was a little lonely um again there just wasn't a ton to do if you weren't actively shopping and the exhibition hall was enormous like I got so many freebies which was pretty darn cool (laughs) it was enormous (laughs) um but yeah it just felt a little neutered kind of i mean for god's sake they've outsourced the raves basically to all the like official after parties i mean this is not the kind of convention i grew up with yeah it's true you, you and i'm not going to after that. parties because it's a fucking pandemic also i don't want to go to an after party by myself that's boring um i was also gonna just add yeah it felt you say it felt neutered but i i don't know if it's just like this for all the other I'm trying to think, like, Crunchyroll Expo, I guess, Anime Expo, maybe, like, maybe Otacon. Just how the relationship between, like, getting guests over after or during this pandemic period, does that affect whether they can get enough guests to come to the convention and stuff like that? And then, obviously, negotiations, you never know how those can go. Like, obviously, getting Hazime Isayama is a big, big guest, but then it's like, what else, right? Um, yeah, and that was another thing. I feel like... Again, going back to Otakon, my current home convention, and Animazement, my first home convention, both of those are cons that have really placed an emphasis on trying to get Japanese guests every year, when there's not a pandemic, and they get the guests because you can tell the staff thinks that these are genuinely cool people, even if they're not um, working on something that they can announce yet, and they're just going to be talking about things they've worked on in the past. You get the impression that they're there because the staff thinks they are genuinely cool people that the attendees will find cool. All this cat... Um, all the guests at Anime NYC felt like they were there to promote their current project. Like, they'd only been invited because of something they were currently working on. Not just because they did cool things in general or had a long history, but just because of their current project. 
And I would even say that Attack on Titan counts as a current project since the anime is still ongoing. Somehow. <laughs> Final season, part three. <laughs> part three X. <laughs> <laughs> the year 3. is 20 5. XX. 3. The Attack 3. on Titan 5. is still in its final season. <laughs> um, I, and you, you, that's a good point, actually. I think maybe... I want to say Mel Kishida was one of the few guests that didn't have anything to roll. He just, yeah, that's Blue what I, Ray, that was the one, Ray did. That was the one I was wondering since I was like... I was thinking he's the one guy who didn't fit that statement. And I was like, I wonder if he has a project. I just haven't been paying attention. But I even went to his panel. They didn't mention, like, anything coming up. It was, that one was more of a, let's talk about the stuff you've already done. Yeah, and, like, the most recent was Blue Reflection. That's really it. And that was, wasn't, at least the anime wasn't very good. From what, we, what we've all known or basically just see on the internet. But uh, the, we only get, the game came out, so yeah, that was it. Don't know. But, yeah, you make a point about, yeah, you got High Car, I think, was one of the premieres. You had, obviously, the reoccurring as a slime event and they had the uh, trigon stampede um showing so um and, yeah and even the guests point. for the slime event like they had some of the um people who performed like songs for the upcoming movie and endings and they both gave small performances which was definitely the best but otherwise the only other staff for reincarnated as a slime were just three producers and producers do have a big effect on the shows they work on since they are the ones hiring the staff so that can really affect the direction of the show but they just, they're not as interesting to listen to talk as they are as directors, writers, anyone doing like the animation or designs, you know, people more intrinsically involved with the show them itself and can give, you know, more insight onto what they were thinking when they did things. You know, they're just, they're a little less interesting to listen to on their own, especially when it's just three producers and that's all of your guests. <laughs> um... So yeah, I guess we have two totally different perspectives. Just, hey, that's what happens when you're doing two different things, really. Um, it it, it was this... funny when I was in uh, one of the panel queues. I had mentioned you had been interviewing Mel Kishida and like, people had come in late and someone and someone said, oh yeah, he posted a photo about on Twitter. And so I sent the photo to Justin and you guys can see it and try to pick out which one of these interviewees is our beloved, you know, giant Fire Emblem fan. Not, not, <laughs> no hints at all. No person wearing a yellow hoodie with a listen i was gonna leave insignia, about what your affiliation insignia, was that right? day. <laughs> not not at all um look and on all the people all, in the, the comments first, are first of all responding to this picture which has Melkishida being interviewed by um uh, kind of like a pool of you guys at once and everyone's like oh yeah this looks like a very a very strong interview or oh no i would be so intimidated for that <laughs> is, is am i about to spoil this uh yeah okay yeah i'll spoil this um there was actually it was actually pretty small at the start of that that press junket and then people showed up later on so that's how it started actually looking more intimidating <laughs> i guess so um so yeah that's how it looked like but um yeah uh i don't know if I'll... i would do this convention again Partially well, just because it didn't, you know, quite I, live up to what I want. Also partially because doing a convention the weekend before Thanksgiving and then a few days later making my yeah. annual Thanksgiving drives is a lot. Like, I am just so glad to be back in my own bed by this point. So glad. Yeah, yeah. this was, I think, one of the things when I first, when I, when I, when I first had the idea of doing this convention, that was one of the things I critiqued. I was like, 
I don't know if it's a good idea. First of all, I have a convention in November when the weather gets colder and you have a chance of a snowstorm. That's going to definitely affect people coming in. I thought my false eyelashes were going to blow um, on Friday, which is a feeling I normally associate with Katsukon. And then obviously this is the week before Thanksgiving. So now you have people having to decide they want to, how's travel going to be like? That's that's always the one worry. I think so far, I mean, they sold out. I believe they sold out this convention. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's worked out. And I believe, somebody can correct me if I'm wrong about this. I believe somebody on the staff, maybe the heads were talking about expanding it for 2023. Yeah, there's an in an article right, right up on it. Okay, so that's what I saw. So yeah, it, it they obviously want to try to grow it, but there's still the matter of dislocation, and obviously Java Center has all of its other issues <laughs> that um this darn seven train that I always have every single year the Wi-Fi that just won't seem to get solved, and it's just you know do do you really want to deal with that? We really have to deal with that. On Friday morning, before things really got going, I was chatting with some friends, and one of them said, oh, yeah, my husband here, you know, he helped work, you know, on building this. And I was like, oh, and he's like, yeah, I swear it's not cursed anymore. We had a priest in here and everything. And, you know, I don't know how serious he was being, but given the general state of being of most convention centers I've been in, I feel like all of them need, like, a once-yearly ritual purification by some sort of religious domination. At least. (laughs) Anyways, do I even have any more thoughts about the Java Center one more time before we move on to licenses? Do you have any more thoughts? Oh, wait. Actually, I will have one more question just for you, and then we can just move on to licenses. Aside from the convention experience, how did you enjoy the New York experience, Helen, even though you was only there for just a couple days? Well, like I said, oh, God, why are my lights flickering? Please, no. <laughs> <laughs> you talk about priests and everything and spirits. Look, look at this. I'm look an atheist. <laughs> I have to figure this out on my own. Uh, well, well, like I said, um, my general impression of New York was that New Yorkers walk slow and they keep their buildings too hot. I still don't really get that last criticism, but okay. I just don't. Also, I guess it's, it's weird a... that at least where I was staying, which was down in Chelsea, I think, I guess you guys don't have alleys or anything because I was just seeing like these mountains of garbage bags everywhere waiting for pickup instead of, you know, like dumpsters. And that was a weird moment. Oh, yeah. I, guess, I think that was the uniquely New York thing. Yeah, because even in D.C. we have alleys and then we had a history of people building, you know, shoddy buildings and alleys and a whole bunch of that stuff, you know, but we do have somewhere to put our trash cans. My, so my impression is that Helen of 2005 was correct. New York City is not for her. She will happily take DC if it's shorter buildings and more parks. <laughs> also, Justin was so worried that I would find New York City food prices expensive. And I was like, this is like the same or cheaper than DC. I don't Dang, know what you're I was going on about. I was just, it would depend on what you're eating. That's, I think that's what it was coming down to. But I think you got some, you found some good food choices, right? So. My body has informed me that we will be eating no more meat for the next week. It is going to be all vegetables. Uh, th- 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 there you go. Well, there goes your answer. <laughs> so, licenses. No. There were a lot of them. I accidentally broke one of them. <laughs> but we'll get to that a little later. Uh, so many. Just just, just start us out, Helen, before I, could just, before I start crying. So, for Kodansha, uh, Ben Applegate, one of the head editors over there, promised a license every two minutes, and he was true to his word. All of these titles are slated for the fall 2023 release window. Forgive any mispronunciations. We are just going. Uh, they are bringing over Zag, Komo, Warita, and Riku Tsushinida's Miraculous Tales of Ladybug and Chat Noir. 
Fukuda, Samataro, Ichi Ichiho, Katsura, and Miwabe Sakura, I'm giving the disgraced noble lady I rescued a crash course in naughtiness. I'll spoil her with delicacies and styles to make her the happiest woman in the world. Bochi's origin, Tina Yamashina's virgin love, uh, two um, titles um, from the Maiden's Bookshelf um, collection line, something along those lines. Yeah. Uh, Osamu Dazai and Nekosuki's The Girl Who Became a Fish, and Richi Yokimutsu and Atsuko Ito's Spring Comes ri Riding in a Carriage, which I believe both of these were traditional prose novels and that they're being illustrated for these releases. Uh, Shun Umizawa's The Darwin Incident, Kuzushiro's The Moon on a Rainy Night, Nagase Furuya's My Ultramarine Sky, also Nagasa Furuya's The Summer with You, the sequel. Um, so that's my summer view volume three, apparently. Kara Aomiya's Super Morning Star. Yu Yoshidar Damaru's Ogami-san Can't Keep It In. Nico Nicholson's My Lovesick Life is a 90s Otaku. Anasin's How I Met My Soulmate. Ai Tanaka's King in Limbo. Kanome Shirahama and Hiromi Sacha's Witch Hat Atelier Kitchen. Finally. Um, a deluxe edition of Makoto Yukimura's Vinland Saga. Um, Per Ben Applegate again, even bigger than before at a 7x10-inch trim, better quality paper, faux le leather covers, and 600 pages each. So you will definitely be able to kill small children with these books. Really going to be able Previously to Previously needed to hold two hard covers at once to kill small children, but... Tsubasa <laughs> uh, Yamaguchi's Blue Period will be getting a box set. Akane Shimizu's Cells at Work will be released in omnibus format. And they're going to be releasing uh, Magic Knight Ray Earth by Clamp in paperback format. So that's just going to be the paperback version of the hardcovers they no, put no. out a couple of years ago. Yeah, no more, well, unless you decide you want to get the hardcovers. Yeah, you don't have to get the hardcovers anymore. Uh, I already got the first hardcover set, and I'm definitely getting the second because I like the art books that come with them. I ended up, I think uh, the Black Friday still just happened, so I just took advantage of that to get the second one. And then they've got a couple of digital-only titles that are making their print debuts. Satori Ni's Windbreaker. Marcy Naito's Tying the Knot with the Amagi Sisters, Rika Kichi's Nina the Starry Bride, which I'm so thrilled about. That's the one title I've really been wanting to get a print release. And Saiso's um, She's My Knight. Okay, Justin, you, oh, Justin, you do the next batch while I take a drink. <laughs> okay, but first of all, I just have to comment, that's way too many Lysis Kadansha. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Way, way too many. And I think the only other... What I want to kind of comment on. I can't believe Vinland Saga of all titles is getting another edition. <laughs> I still remember when they was struggling to sell that that thing. Or I <laughs> and now look at it. Ed Chavez when he was a vertical before vertical was bought by Kodansha, saying they had initially put in a bid for it with you know gonna have like nice end pages and maps and you know after seeing how poor of a seller Vinland Saga was, he was kind of happy that they didn't get it. And I had tweeted that out basically, and Ben Applegate liked my tweet. Like, also, I'm not sure how Ben Applegate had time to, you know, be on my Twitter, even if he follows me, to be liking my tweets. But now I'm like, I wonder if those are some of the things we'll be seeing in this deluxe edition. I wonder if someone has dusted off some old plans for new ideas. <laughs> but yeah, just the, just the turnaround is I guess the really crazy. Really helped with sales. Yeah, yeah. And um, what's interesting because I remember this was on Amazon Prime, right at the start. Initially, right. and there's a second season coming out, but yep. most likely not on Amazon Prime. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, that's on Crunchyroll. That's on Crunchyroll. I'm just going back to when it initially happened, and they had the anime, the first season. It went from all that to, to now a major uh, hit for Kodansha that they're even doing a deluxe edition. So, yeah, uh, congrats to them for sticking, sticking to it. 
Um, but yes, uh, Kanaja obviously had a lot of announcements. Yen Press said, "Yo, ho, 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 they had a lot of announcements. <laughs> so How many? About try they us? Had to some of them on Twitter. <laughs> they had to literally go on Twitter. It's funny. I'm, as you know, I'm tweeting the announcements as they are announced during the con. But then I'm looking at their Twitter account because I have them followed on the timeline, and I see them licensing something that didn't get shared on the screen. And I'm like, what is happening here? <laughs> I'm confused. And then um, I think uh, Mark." Devera, he's one of the panelists. He was saying that there was so many announcements they had to also announce it on social media at one point. It's like, oh, okay, that that explains everything. So yes, even <laughs> it was funny. I think I got everything. Like, no, but so I won't even be able to share. That's the retreat. But um, yes, they announced. I want to say I think twenty six or twenty seven total. They made twenty six, twenty seven total announcements. So all in order, and there might be also some. Inconsistency. I think some were again on, some weren't. But I think I got it all right. But we'll find out in in the future. So, um, Karo Mori's scribbles, Fujino Omori's uh, Fuji, uh, Fujino Fujino Mori and Damachi Four Projects. Is it wrong to try pick up girls in a dungeon? Memoria Freeze ma- the manga. Ichine Kamijo's How to Win Her Heart on a Ninth Try. I wonder how you said it. Try. Yes, which is a yen on title. Mizuki Sujimura's Yama Yamihara, also Yano title. Mikage Sawamura's Associate Professor Akira Takasugi's Conjecture, also Yano title. Rakuzan and Miyu's My Summon Beast is Dead, also Yano title. Not a Yano title. Yukushi 07 and Tomato Akasei's Higurashi When They Cry Go. Um, interesting enough, they also announced during that panel they're going to re- uh, release the. Uh, other Higurashi series they have in backlist. They finally put that back in stock, so that's nice for those who want to actually get the manga versions of Higurashi. Um, Nikichi, Tobita, and From Suffering's Elden Ring, The Road to the Earth Tree. Zero Akabane's Magical Incident. Yukari Uemoto's and Saman's Manner of Death. Anton Sinku's Apariraman, the manga. Shin Yamamoto's What This World is Made of. Magical Quartet and Gan's Cruella, Magi, Susan, and Magica, the complete Animus edition, so another Animus edition of the Pula Magi uh, series. Reki Kawahara, Puyocha, and Abex, Sword Art Online, Progressive, Shurzo of Deep Night, the manga. Yuba Isukari, Ganbei Shinkawa, and Tasuyuki Tanaka's Yo- Yokohama Station SF, the manga. Misaki Ichigo's Even If These Tears Disappear Tonight, Yanon. Uh, I believe this is a sequel to a title that's coming out in December by Misaki Ichigo. So, if you wanted the continuation, here you go, right there. Ichitomo Kazutomo. Huh, that's interesting. Ichitomo Kazutomo's Handyman Saito in Another World. Uh, if this sounds familiar, this is getting an anime. It should be premiering this winter. So, timeless from that. Uh, Tali, Yusuhara, and Sora's A Reincarnated Witch Spells Doom. Mako, Yone, and Maro's I Want to Be a, Re- uh, I want to be a Receptionist in This Magical World. Which is a manga version of a title that um, J Novel Club has under a slightly different name. The Sorcerer's Receptionist. Wait, what? Yeah, I told you that. <laughs> As you can probably tell, I totally... Like, I mean, totally it is honestly a pretty mediocre title anyway. This is not a recommendation on my part, but I do have a review of the first volume on the site, I think. So, so you're going to say the manga, the, the manga will probably be better. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> we'll find out. Uh, somebody will find out for us. Um, I think this is a case of where 
wow, can't you just get, call it the same localization? Stop doing this to us. Stop doing this. Also, I feel like a sorcerer's, rece- sorcerer's receptionist is a slightly better title. So. As you know, they probably just went, Yan Press probably just went straight up. Hey, what's the Japanese title? Just, yeah, not nothing snappy, I guess. We'll say, you know. Anyways, uh, Shiro Inu is me and my beast boss. <clears throat> Chisaki Kanai is my dear cursed casting vampirist. Ziroki and Miho Takioka is Maiden of the Needle, which is a Yanon. That's novel. novel. Aya Fumino is the essence of being a muse. Yokiso at Usuwagi's The Infernal Scenes of Setsuna's Journey, also a Yanon title. They're going to release omnibus editions of Kazuma Kamachi and Kiyotaka Haimura's A Certain Magical Index, the Old Testament uh, light novel. Uh, they're also going to release a box set of Ida Iro's Toilet Bound Hanaka-kun, which will be the first 10 volumes called The First Stall, obviously, just, popular series. I just started buying the volumes, damn it. <laughs> just really out of your way, out of your way to just buy it, thinking to support it, and then all of a sudden, Yen Press does this. And now you get to not buy any more <laughs> until the box set comes out, Helen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um... They also announced they licensed Narelli's Bloody Sweet. If this sounds familiar, this was a long time ago. I think Tappy Toon released this one <laughs> years ago. And now it's getting a nice physical print release under Yen Press. Because obviously, I think Narelli has a couple titles under Yen Press on that umbrella. So continues that line of releases there. And then for Easy Press, they uh, announced they licensed JH's The Horizon and Hagwa. Guava Farm, Perilla, and Narek's A Business Proposal. Those are all the Korean uh, titles that'll be under the Ize, Ize Press line. <clears throat> so yeah, that is way too many titles. <laughs> uh, way, way too many titles. And then moving on to J Novel Club, which um, <laughs> Justin did show me the email like a day before, but... Um, to be fair, he showed it to me on his phone, did not forward it or anything, so we're not breaking embargo. But we also noticed that if you even looked at the J Novel Club's uh, entry on the schedule, it said, you know, as they announced, like, Blade and Bastard, you know, all, did all of that, and it's like, you're preempting your own announcements there, folks. <laughs> so, of their assorted things they were bringing over, no print announcements at this time. Uh, Suki Kage and Chiyoko's Let This Grieving Soul Retire which is a Soul Press license rescue. Uh, Kawao Sultan and Murakami Yuchi's Grand Sumo Villainous. Rarutori and Siavi's Enough of the Slow Life. I was reincarnated as a High Elf and now on board. Sarasa Nagasa and Happy Putsuans, the Stone <laughs> Queen's to Consulting Detective Agency. This is Jane Novel Heart title, also by the same lady who's doing... Um, I'm the villainess, so I'm taming the final boss, and it is very fun so far. And the uh, light novel, the illustrator does the Otome. Uh, there's a Tokyo Pop release under the same author, artist name, and so is um, I want to say Seven Time Loop. Oh yeah, the Seven Seas. Yeah. But as you can see, the names are just totally different. <laughs> what is happening here? Da 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 da. Nabishiki and Kawaguchi's. I parry everything. What do you mean? I'm not the strongest. I'm the strongest. I'm not even an adventurer yet. Hiro Shimotsuki, Shizuku Akechi, and Takashi Iwasaki's Peddler in Another <coughs> World. I can go back to my world whenever I want. That is the manga version. They've already got the light novel. Mira Jine, 
Isora Amachi and Dai Umimukai's I'm capped at level 1, thus begins my journey to become the world's strongest badass. Ito Terry DP and Bun 150's Karate Master Isekai. Ichiro Sakaki and Yugen's Outbreak Company Gaiden. And so they also announced a crap ton of partnerships. Um, starting off with Dracom Media, which is where um, uh, Blade and Bastard is currently being published. Or rather, it's going to be a pretty true simulpub. Like, J-Novel Club is going to start putting out chapters as soon as it comes out in Japan. No, no. This is the ebook. You're going to have to explain this one then, because I clearly got things confused. No, they're simultaneously publishing the ebook version of Blade and Bastard. So when it comes out in stores in December for Japanese audiences, it will also be coming out in ja- uh, English digital for J Novel Club. That's basically what I said. <laughs> but you said you said chapters. Yeah, chapters, since J Novel Club releases things in installments. But I'm saying in storefronts, it's going to be released like that details anyway blade and bastard is by kumo kaguyu and sobin uh they did show a couple of other dracom titles on screen with the implications that some of them might be licensed in the future but yeah my yeah my understanding is any drain future dray novel uh dray novel titles are going to be put put up by jay novel club that's my understanding i'm really interested in the one that was like i'm an apothecary and part-time divorce attorney (laughs) um the only bad news is that dracom apparently does nfts so, ho hum, another Japanese company that keeps doing NFTs. Which, Somebody tell them to stop. Which they definitely did not mention in the panel. And both Justin and someone else had the exact same reaction when I brought this up. With I bet Sam looked at that and went, "None of this nonsense in the panel." <laughs> like both you and <laughs> Sean Gaffrey gave me like an almost word for word identical answer. <laughs> <laughs> they are also partnering with RB Media, who is an audiobook publisher. I feel like I've definitely seen their name around before. And so they're going to be putting out seven titles. Reborn to Master the Blade, From Hero King to Extraordinary Squire, Black Summoner, How a Realist Hero Rebuilt the Kingdom, The Faraway Paladin, Hell Mode, My Daughter Left the Nest and Returned an S-Rank Adventurer. Uh, Hold on one second. I just realized I missed one more. Um, By the Grace of the Gods. Okay, and that one. And then... They are also partnering with Podium Audio, who is going to be releasing uh, In Another World of My Smartphone and min-maxing my TRPG build in Another World. Um, Steiner, the translator for Another World of My Smartphone, made a quip on Twitter that when this was first set up, he had to spend a day basically just reading out the pronunciations of all the terms, locations, etc. and smartphone for the narrator, and that he nearly died. (laughs) His relationship with that series is very funny. It's hilarious. And they are also partnering with Yen Press. So they've partnered with Seven Seas before, and now they're partnering with Yen Press. And so Yen Press will be releasing print editions of some of J Novel Club's digital offerings. Uh, what they announced were four titles for the spring. Hamu and Mo's Hell Mode, Shu and... Sweet Jesus. Shizu Mash Mayoshinori's The Misfit of Demon King Academy. Um... Suzyoshi Fujitaka, Chisatu Naruse, and Hanamaru Nato's My Instant Death Ability is so overpowered, no one in this other world stands a chance against me. And the manga companion of it, which is Alpha Omega. So there you go, Helen. There goes your, your print, where the print's going to go for Jet Out Club stuff. Diaries? That's where it's going to go, I guess, moving forward. Um, <laughs> this is my new running gag. Where's Apothecary Diaries? <laughs> <clears throat> so, so 
Uh, you'll have that as your running gag until it actually happens. But well, hopefully it actually does happen. Because remember, from my last running gag, where is the subversion of story of Saiyan Goku never did? <laughs> uh, I think just two things. <laughs> just two. I gave him a decade. <laughs> Uh, just, just two things, uh, just regarding the, uh, print stuff. Uh, yeah, I'm very curious if this just means Janelco is no longer going to be actually printing, like, they're going to pr- print their, what they're doing already, but any, like, newer stuff, are they just going to, like, not do it anymore? Because that's what it kind of feels like, because you already have Seven Seas doing this, you already now have Yempress, who's, a more experienced at doing printing, not whether they're printing as quality, I don't know, but it's compared comparable to Janelle Club, but they've done it longer for yeah, press. I feel like so the now, past so couple of licensing sprees they've had, they haven't really announced many print titles, and I wonder if, with the current, you know, backed up printing situation, because again, we're still in the pandemic, China's under new lockdowns yeah. right now, I wonder if that has just made it so much more difficult. They are, like, we're not even expending energy on thinking about this right now. We would rather yeah, have someone else take some of the profits, but all of the issues. Yeah, that's kind of my my basic understanding, like I'm pretty sure, and I've, I'm pretty sure I've asked Jen Alcala about this before, about hey, how's the print situation going? They were assuring me that things were okay and fine, but on the surface, it's not here. looking. Yeah, it's not really. Sorry to say, it's just I have concerns because just the state, everything is just so weird. It's, it's not really. Just, it, I guess you could say it's part of the pandemic, but just just lack of staffing at some of these distribution places. There's just. Not people were able to drive trucks. Then obviously we had the chat, the the boat incident and everything. Just so many things that have happened that have just delayed printing. And I, have to ask I can which see boat incident. You mean though? Oh, um, I mean we had the Suez Canal one, and then did you remember that same company got one stuck in the Chesapeake Bay for like a couple uh, of weeks? I don't think I know about the Chesapeake Bay one. Uh, it, thankfully, it didn't block the whole bay, but it's like, come on, we've had this whole ass bay map for like no, centuries at this point. But no, my also my understanding was like just shipping from like other places in general has been slower than usual. So even just like obviously the Suez Canal thing, which did make some jokes on the internet and it was funny. But even that, like, obviously impacted things. But I think it was even a little before that. Or just shipping I mean, with was just rising really... gas prices, that of course makes even shipping more expensive since people experimented with alternate technology for shipping containers in the 1980s oil crisis. But then once oil went cheap again, everyone was like, ha ha, let's never think about these again. So they were caught <laughs> flat-footed, the dumbasses. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, just so many issues with printing. And I just do wonder, Jane Owl Club just said, you know what, that's it. Can't deal with this anymore. So we'll be on the look. I'm going to be personally on the lookout for any of that maybe they'll just have some special stuff like they did like the Moon empire uh, manga print they're gonna do that in print for the manga so maybe some one or two titles not just like a whole bunch of titles and especially now they can just have yen press do all the print releases there you go that's the, the option so that's the one thing and then the second thing is all these audiobooks and no bookworm sam i'm calling you out personally what what's happening bro What's what's happening? <laughs> it's even had a dub, so there's you know voice actors out there to do it. You 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 you, you said popular stuff. I see we, by we the grace of the gods. Is like their third or fourth. I see realist hero. I do not for some reason see Arifureta. I'm pretty sure they're at least I, that's supposedly one of their popular titles too. I don't see bookworm. Oh, oh what guys, is happening the funny here? thing was before 
of the con, they had sent out, you know, like um, an email with their licenses, but they hadn't announced the partnerships in there. So they had announced like one of them. They were mentioning, you know, audiobooks for our favorite popular titles. And Justin was like, I'm going to go up and ask him, you know, what about smartphone? Because it's not on here. And they announced it during the panel. And I'm leaning over to him being like, see, he heard you. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm looking out for you. I'm looking, Sam. This this. I, I, it's such a I good got, thing that I'm, all these people are too busy to listen to our podcast. <laughs> um, but yeah, lots of analysis for these for them. Um, a few interesting light novel licenses. Um, the one I'm disappointed I went to like more was, was Grand Sumo Villainous, and I sadly could not get past part two. Uh, yeah, I tried out Disown <clears throat> Queen's Detective Agency, which is exactly my kind of fun times, and the High Elf one, which is a nice relaxing read so far. Um, the Song Queen's pretty fun. Mm-hmm. I I like that one too. Although I have discovered that that one only has one volume right now because the author is focusing on another series. So <laughs> I am chatting with some other people, and we're all like, "I'm going to be really disappointed when this first volume ends." <laughs> Whoops! Whoops! Um, so uh, Dark Horse had a couple of announcements at their panel. I think they had the uh, Octopath Traveler audio art book. Uh, they announced some books that were kind of not really in stock, but they're going to be back in print over the next uh, couple months. But surprisingly enough, I think the biggest like announcement that I saw that got people like <gasps> was the announcement that they're going to release um, Shinichi Sakamoto's Innocent. Uh, this is going to be released as a three-in-one uh, omnibus starting in November of 2023. Um, yeah, that. That, I, I even got a, a little gas while I was at the panel too. So yeah, I, I obviously a big one. one. Before I feel, I feel like someone needs to take my manga card. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I may have heard of this off like somewhere, but yeah, it didn't pop up to my mind immediately. So same here. Somebody's gonna take the, the my manga 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 fan card away from me too. So, um, but yeah, it's like apparently it's considered like one of the oh my god, there's no way anybody's gonna license this, but now it actually is probably because one. It's a Shuesha title, and obviously Viz has sat on it for who knows how long, if they're even considering it. Um, but now Dark Horse of our publishers is going to be trying to put uh, put this out. So uh, good on Dark Horse. Uh, I think they didn't have too many announcements, like license wise, but in terms of the big big announcements, this was definitely one of them for sure. And then let's see, Dempa. Uh, they didn't actually announce really anything. They did try to provide an update on March comes as a lion, which remember they tried to announce. They announced it's like what? I want to say a few years ago. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm not going crazy, right? Okay, it was a few years ago. Um, and they also said that since they're having to work hard on Kaiji, that's the same person who's doing They Were Eleven. So that one's also <laughs> yeah not coming they, out they, soon. <laughs> yeah, they they tried to stress a couple things during the panel, and I'm gonna note that when I do my write up. Um, they only have a staff of four people. Like, I literally just have a new person who's doing the Kuma stuff right now. Um, but they basically have a total of four people. So, obviously, it's not going to be, like, as efficient, like, as a regular-sized company. Obviously, with the printing distribution issues, that also is contributing to everything just being backed up. Then for the Kaiji one, that's that's just an adventure and a half for them, unfortunately. So, that's why they, there's just so many delays. And that's why it's just tough to release that series in general. So, uh from that perspective, that part was fun, but um, they didn't. Dempo didn't really have any like announcement announcements. So they did announce some stuff for the Kuma line. Um, excuse me. <clears throat> a few of these had leaked kind of already on Amazon, so these were like kind of already known. But because like 
they weren't I saw his eye understood they weren't officially mentioned I said okay sure I'll treat these as kind of officially mentioned so um Larita I'm gonna announce this one Narita Nomoto is the ruthless commander and his reincarnated warhorse Jorikos Tirano Kun and Nakuza Maki Kun Kaya Azuma and uh, Kaya Azuma's Eiji and Shiro from Zero to Heroes Inutoki and Sho, uh, Shohei's a hero in the Demon's Castle and Harada's happy crappy life so all that's going on the Kuma imprint uh, all this should be planned for 2023 at some point and the Rakuma imprint is basically boys love. So yes, that reincarnated warhorse one is boys love apparently, which just has me laughing nervously. Oh, oh, right, right, yeah, okay. <laughs> I, I assume there's gonna be fans of that one for sure. <laughs> I mean, if there's not fans of it, then they license the wrong thing, you know. <laughs> ah, let's see. So Kamiki also had a panel. So all these licenses are things that are going to be streaming on their site. Oh, you know, Yuhei's Dope Man. <laughs> Her 94th reincarnation, this villainess became the heroine? Don't know who did that one. Uh, Akane Tamura's A Side Character's Love Story. Um, they've already replaced... This has already been released in multiple places, but apparently it's at the request of the Japanese publisher, Koemix? Okay. Uh, Ryo Ichino's Double the tw Trouble Twice as Nice. Nagari Ebi's Second Time's The Crime and On a Cold Bed. Uh, Chika Saimoto's the Betrayed Husband's Blues, Teko Tanaka's Poke, um, Pocha Meshi, Stuff Your Cheeks with Love, and they are also partnering with a couple of Korean publishers, CNC Media, which is going to give them 10 new titles, Story Soup for 9 new titles, Mr. Blue for 5 new titles, and Wuwa Brothers for another 9 new titles. And they're going to have over 100 Square Enix titles coming to their platform soon and into 2023, They've said that no, they will not have the censoring that the Square Enix app did. Obviously, they are still trying to keep their stuff on the App Store, you know, which means nothing adult, but the, the, nobody's going to be doing what Square Enix did to their own app earlier in the summer. Mm -hmm. And Kamiki themselves are adapting Ara Aizuki and Zaina Zhu's Thank You Isekai into a webtoon. So, what they mean is that they're taking uh, the original pages, they're being slightly redrawn made into full color and then are going to be um, formatted and presented as a single scroll or a vertical scrolling comic, which I feel like that's not exactly what defines a webtoon, but okay, not JPEG. <laughs> I was like, where's she going with this? And she said, okay, JPEG. <laughs> that was funny. Uh, okay, uh, the horror 94th incarnation. Uh, great, great, great job, Justin. You made sure after they didn't actually say who the author was during the panel, for a couple of these titles, but I do the do, do, do the diligence to just look online, see what I see who did what, and of course I would forget to add the author for one of these titles. I would just I would do that. So yeah, sorry for whoever created the her ninety fourth reincarnation. That's a that's my bad on my part. <laughs> Maybe we'll get uh, it right on the ninety fifth reincarnation. Yes, on the ninety fifth reincarnation we'll get it correct. <sighs> Azuki um, had a couple of announcements at their panel. Um, they licensed Shunsuke Sorato's Natsume and Natsume. They're going to add a couple of Starfruit Books titles to the service. Uh, they even had the there's... Starfruit Books gu um, guide there. <laughs> yes, they did. Um, so already these two, these, uh, two are already on, should be up on Azuki right now. Tatsuya Ihara's Toki and Yoshiaki Tabata and Yuki Yoko's Tribbles Remaster. Those are already up there. And then um, Minami Kuta's Miyotsotsis. 
is going to be added to the Asi catalog December 2nd. Uh, as Helen noted, the star for books person uh, was also at the panel too. Um, he was also just talking about the series and that the one shot sauce could be available in their upcoming uh, Comic Bright magazine whenever that comes out um, in the future. So more, uh, it's more India indie partnership continues so that's good get to read these digitally so that's that's a good thing oh boy still not done yet so um we we'll have to let you do this one yeah, this so um i'm walking through the exhibition hall and i see one piece books's ta table and i don't usually buy manga conventions just because it takes up space in my bag but they were selling all their stuff for like five dollars a volume so i'm like okay i'll get um usutoki rhetoric and um i hear the sunspot and when i'm checking out and the guy's handing me a flyer it's like oh yeah and you know here's something that's upcoming and i'm about to refuse it then i'm like wait a fucking second <laughs> when did they license liz takama uh, takayama's parallel world pharmacy manga and i posted on the twitter and i sent it to um reporter dem on twitter since i know she's like one of the other people who actually is interested in seeing the manga light novel license. I was like, hey, did I miss this news? And she's like, I didn't see this either. And I'm like, Justin, did I miss this? And that's how Helen accidentally broke um, a manga license at Anime NYC. Um, is there a to story? Uh, get in early to the exhibition hall, I guess. What I have, what I have personally found out that One Piece was pushing, uh, publishing this, maybe, because I was at some point going through all the rows of the convention but that was like later on. As soon as Helen, I was already, I think, at the, um, I think it was the demo panel. One of the panels, I can't even remember. It's just so long ago. It's just last week, Justin. It's just so long ago. Um, as soon as the panel was over, I just headed right over to the One Piece book, uh, booth and just talked to one of the guys over there. Then I saw the flyer, took the flyer, went to a, went to a spot, take the picture. There you go, everybody. Parallel Pharmacy has been licensed by One Piece Books, the, the manga version. <laughs> that is a unique way of sharing this news. Almost as legendary as uh, going to Kinokuniya for an event and find out that um, Vertigo is going to release the 20th anniversary edition of Par uh, Paradise Kiss. <laughs> just just like that. It's, it's, it's up on that, that level because <laughs> you just don't really expect to see that. And then, so, oh, I was also at the panel for Anime Limited, which is a European-based um, distributor um, who started putting out a couple of titles in the U.S. market as well, like Bartender, and they're going to be the ones putting out Macross Plus. So they had a couple of licenses, and we're not going to be going over all of their um, vinyl releases since that's less applicable to this podcast, although they are putting out some vinyl releases of Macross Plus, so that's the only Macross news we got at the panel. <laughs> So they're going to be bringing over uh, To the Abandoned Sacred Beasts, um, Tonikawa, Over the Moon for You, um, which is amusing since this is the first Crunchyroll original anime not to be released by Viz. Um, or Sentai. Uh, Tokyo Marble Chocolate, and also uh, A Place Farther Than the Universe, which will be getting an English dub. And the two people up there were, I think the CEO, whose name I forgot, and um, Miles, formerly of Crunchyroll. And they're quip as they were introducing it was we could fight over which of us loves this series more and also <laughs> the new york times favorite anime because it is like the one anime they've ever mentioned since someone put it in like their top media of 2018 list but i'm so glad this one's finally licensed because i've definitely been holding out for this and laid back camp for ages it has taken it what's the what's the the gif 80 something years or whatever <laughs> thousand it's years four years from titanic like, like 
Like, what was stopping Crunchyroll, right? What was stopping all these other publishers from getting it? Incredible. Incredible. And now it's finally dubbed. Excellent. Um, yeah, the Tony Kata one was just interesting and amusing to me because I didn't realize. Um, it's not... I tried to make sure it was kind of accurate. I just looked... I, I, I did look through the Wikipedia just to see what was under the Crunchyroll Originals just to, for a quick twist of time. And I was like, wait a minute. I know a couple of these got licensed, but I'm pretty sure it's all by Viz. So the only other one that... It's, I guess they want to put this as an anime, but I'm not... It's just not really the Onyx Equinox, which is by Sentai. But yeah, this is the... Tony Kyle is going to be the only other title that so far... Crunchyroll Original, not licensed or released by Viz, so that's notable. And I did not expect to see Tokyo Marvel Chocolate licensed at any point. I kind of just hope it gets on a streaming service so people can actually watch it. Yeah, I know it was previously licensed by another UK distributor, but I don't know if it's ever been licensed in the US. It wasn't there was title a, I was familiar with at all. The only time this ever was shown was during like the Tokyo. There was this, this film festival, this virtual film festival years ago. That was the only time I, that happened, and I watched it. And I was like, "Oh, it's not bad." There was some issues with one of the characters, but it's not bad. Um, I, the only problem is it's hard to recommend because you couldn't really watch it anywhere. So now that this is licensed and uh, at least it'll be available in some sort of physical format, maybe at some point it'll also be available in the streaming service. So I'm looking forward to hopefully people getting a chance to check it out. Um, and I guess the final bit of licensing news for anime-related stuff. Uh, Eleven Arts uh, licensed the Blue Thermal film. Uh, this is going to first premiere at anime, anime Frontier. It's happening this weekend. <laughs> so you thought all the conventions were done this year. No, there's still one more, I guess, kind of... Well, not really major, but like it's a notable convention that's happening uh, soon before the year is actually over. It's happening down... Is it Texas? Yeah, Texas, and I think it's one of the ones that's like partially sponsored by Crunchyroll. I think they're yeah, it's one of those powered by Crunchyroll. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they're kind uh, of trying to grow a new thing. Uh, yeah. Friend of the podcast, Dawn of the Anime Nostalgia Podcast, is going to be a guest there, so people should go see her okay. and listen to her podcast. <laughs> and G Kids also uh, announced at their panel that they uh, licensed uh, the production IG Giovanni's Island anime film uh, from North America. Um, so if you're looking forward to another film from G Kids, there you go. That's their next next release. But wait, there's more. There was some there streaming somehow news out of anime. Still more. We are almost an hour in. <laughs> We're almost next to an hour. That that took like forty something minutes. Incredible. But yes, more more streaming stuff, Helen. Yeah, so um High Dive announced <laughs> in the most ghetto way possible as they were doing tweets with someone taking photos from the back of their room. <laughs> Why? Anyway, so this some this winter they're going to be streaming five of the new seasonal titles. Spy Classroom, Kubo Won't Let Me Be Invisible, My Life is Yunuki-san's Dog, Endo and Kobayashi Live, the latest on the Sundari villainous Lisa Lot, and Surune the Linking Shot, which is um, season two of Surune, and they're also going to be releasing... Um, Surune the movie the first shot in theaters in 2023 and they're also going to be streaming later in 2023 just not this winter the dangers in my heart and Oshinoko which is going to be so much fun to see people react to that one <laughs> and then Crunchyroll also announced that in 2023 they will be streaming Hell's Paradise uh, uh Jigo Raku uh the ancient Magus Sprite season two Yuri is my job the ice guy and his cool female colleague Dead Mount Death Play 
which I think is a Ryogo Naruto title or something. It is, it is. And it's a reverse isekai. Which, which means I definitely need to look into this. Um, Ayaka, a story of bonds and wounds, and saving 80,000 gold in another world for my retirement. Wasn't it like a Soul Press title that got License Rescued or something? It was Soul Press title that License Rescued by Kodansha. And no wonder everyone was clamoring for that one. <laughs> um, for it to be re-released, re if there's an anime <laughs> coming. Right, right. Um... Yeah, big uh, congrats to Haidai for getting a couple big titles for next uh, season. As long as Oshinoko is adapted well, that should be a big hit for them. Have you been reading it? Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be fun watching people react to it. Yeah, and obviously the first uh, episode is going to be pretty lengthy. So Yeah, they're basically you'll, adapting you'll know. the entire first volume in one go, it looks like. Yeah, you'll, you'll know soon enough. We'll, we'll see how big it gets just because just, just of the ambition of having the... Uh, a, a basically a movie length episode right after that um, you know actually now that I think about it we don't really get that type of episode commitments uh, that type of length commitments in anime that's actually kind of interesting that I, think I about feel it like more. we get like one or two a season that do something like a double length premiere but not usually triple length <laughs> yeah yeah triple yeah that's what I'm saying like the, they basically just doing a movie length for a first episode of an anime TV, TV series definitely a rare thing so we'll see how all those titles do for High Dive in the near future. Uh, same for Crunchyroll. We'll see how a couple of these do. Um, obviously, I think the Magus Ride might be the biggest announcement out of all this. Uh, obviously, because it's season two. Magus Ride was pretty big when it was adapted. So, All right. Hell, I think we're done with anime New York City stuff. Yeah, the only other thing I could think of was that I know that... The Javits Center has the exhibition hall on, like, the third floor instead of, like, the basement or ground floor level. So it sounds like the load in and out for artists and such was just really a pain in the ass. And I know that somebody fell on the escalator so badly, I think a defibrillator had to be involved and that there is now a GoFundMe for that. So that's something to think about, that the Javits Center is kind of lacking in ways for people to quickly load and unload and stuff like that. So that's food for thought. <sighs> Right, right. Anyway, let's talk about the pandemic. Yeah, just more pandemic stuff. Obviously, we went to a convention where lots of people were definitely at least vaccinated, but not always masking. So, obviously, you still got to be careful about how you travel and all that stuff, and especially during the holiday season. Guys, try as safe as you can. Um, for as far as anything that's happened in the past couple weeks in Japan, uh, the voice actress Momo Asakura was diagnosed with COVID nineteen, so just gonna have to take a bit of a hiatus until she recovers from that. So, I uh, hope for the best for her and in, in the near future. And then news, but it's also but it's kind of weird. <laughs> um, let's see. So. The Supreme Court of Japan decided on Monday to void a ruling that sentenced 47-year-old Jong Hong Park, former deputy editor at Kodansha's morning magazine, over the death of his wife. So they're having to redo that trial? Uh, you know? I, I guess it was... I guess this is the equivalent of when you would have to retry someone in the U.S., but I don't know much. Um, also, yikes, Amazon is going to lay off about 10,000 employees? Yeah, that's that's a lot. That's not good. Yeah. And good. also, um, the Megaton um, uh, Musashi series is delaying episodes again. Quoting from the ANN article, 
The anime staff had already delayed episode 18 from November 4th to November 18th to improve the episode's quality. Um, Thursday's announcement explained that episode 18's delay also affected episode 19's production schedule. However, the announcement also indicated that the staff thinks the schedule will be back on track from episode 20 onward. I know we've had issues with that show. Golden Kamui is still kind of on indefinite hiatus. I think there was some other show this season that started late and is already like having delays, but I don't remember what it was. Was it Kankol? Yeah, I think it was. I think I think it was the Kankol girls. That one like started like a month late, went three episodes, had a recap or something, something like that. I think the only thing I saw briefly that Anna had posted like argument about something about involving a delay with one show. I thought I saw Kankol. I'm not. Hundred percent sure, but I think that was a show I saw. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. I think Angie's doing. Is still Angie doing that? I think they're doing that show. Makes sense for them to have issues. Maybe, I guess. Um, so as we see, everyone is clearly working perfectly healthy. You know, work schedules. <laughs> yeah, not not really, not at all. Ah, I love the anime studios. Oh, love the anime industry. Love it. Um, World Trigger is gonna go on one up. Uh, one month break due to Daisuke Asahara's health, obviously notable of health issues for Asahara over the years. So it's not a break; just take uh, rest up till and uh, rest up and resume the series next year. MF Ghost will be on indefinite hiatus uh, due to Shuichi Shigeno's poor health. So that's unfortunate to hear. Um, so we'll hope um, Shigeno can recover uh, as soon as possible, but just obviously rest as much as necessary as well. And talent agency uh, Gekidan Himawari announced on Monday that voice voice actress Yume Miyamoto will go on a brief hiatus due to poor health, but will do some work with restrictions. So no, obviously, I don't think it mentions exactly what the issue was. So not if it's COVID or not, but obviously the issue is enough that she has to limit her work. So hope for the best and that she can recover uh, soon as well. All right, so. Um... Uh, Power Rangers actor Jason David Frank pa- passed away at 49. So this would be um, the person who worked on the American adaptation of Power Rangers, since, of course, it was originally filmed in Japan. Uh, Entertainment News Source Deadline reported that um, their sources indicate that it was unfortunately suicide. Um, and also cosplay photographer Ke- Kevin Lilliard passed away November 8th. N- niece noted that he was battling major health issues. Uh, this was the guy who ran... Um, I think it was a fan's view and just took photos at so many conventions up through 2010, like from the nineties. I, I saw a lot of folks who were a bit older than me, have been in the con scene a bit longer being really saddened over this. Cause they all remember him. Him. sometimes those are the only photos they have of those outfits from like 2006 <laughs> mm. because back then not as many people had digital cameras. <laughs> right. So that's definitely a shame on for both of those. <laughs> Um, so yes we did have some licenses not too many licenses outside of anime city uh, sentai filmworks announced um with their solicitation they're going to release revisions which is notable because it's just a netflix exclusive so slowly though really slowly but surely there's 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 some stuff in the netflix jail that will eventually be released by somebody in a format that actually people can watch or, or get. Looking at, was it? Little, Little Witch Academia. Academia. Yeah, yeah. Dragon Me, one I'd love. Um, High Score Girl. Just somebody, just Random do it. Animal. Somebody, jeez. Stop taking your time. 
get it out there. Um, Maybe Anime Limited will release it after it's been four years. <laughs> stars. <laughs> <sighs> gotta wait till then. Incredible. Uh, all right, we gotta go into some weird news. Um, this one is just a little too confusing because this is something that started years ago. But uh, to basically sum it up, the uh, arbitrary ruling found that Cooking Mama Cookstar Games release unlawful. So the tribute found that the that the company Planet Entertainment was not authorized to release or distribute the Cooking Master uh, Cooking Mama Cookstar game. Um, to kind of sum those even more, the ruling first said that the unlicensed Cooking Mama Cookstar products infringe Office Creates trademarks under this penal law. And common law registered copyrights under 17 USC, you know, a whole bunch of stuff that they engage in unfair competition, that the packaging, labeling goods themselves falsely identify the origin of goods as always create more violations, and they are financially liable for their conduct. But for office and then office create state it is undertaking all necessary steps to ensure that the infringing cooking mama cookstar video games are removed from the market. So we have one company that tried to release it and they were not authorized to actually do it and it's been going on since 2020 yeah, 2020 so wasn't that long ago at least 2020 is still kind of long to figure this one out so i mean to be fair go. the pandemic may have you know thrown off some of the normal procedures and discoveries <sighs> sure helen sure and then okay trying to figure out this other one so um so game uh, programmer and director yuji Naka was arrested on Friday on suspicion of insider trading um, since he let's see, he was purchasing shares in Dragon Quest um, TAC developer aiming prior to the game's announcement. So the way that would be insider trading is that he knew the game was coming and that more people would be interested in the stock by that point. So he's probably planning to buy before the announcement and then sell after at a higher price. And this was related to um, two um, former Square Enix employees who also did the same thing? <laughs> I don't think they're too. Uh, is it too former? Uh, I think it's too current, and that included the ANN Naka. article says two former Square Enix okay. employees. Okay. Yeah, so that was. Um, let's see. They did it back in 2019, I think, and so they once again they learned the game was coming and they bought stock before it was publicly announced. Uh, not see. not the. Not the guy who was the lead person for the Sonic the Hedgehog getting involved in this nonsense. No, oh, okay. my childhood. Actually, actually in an, um, one of those people was Yuji Naka. One of those okay. two. Okay, that's what I was, that's what I was yeah, thinking. Yeah, so two people were arrested. Um, one of them was Yuji Naka, and the other was um, uh, Taisuke Sasaki, who I think is just a regular employee. Anyway. Not, not regular anymore. We know who his name is. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, folks, uh, don't do insider trading. <laughs> don't even think about it. Stop. I mean, the stock market yourself. is dumb anyway, but. <laughs> oh, no, don't don't tell my dad that. <laughs> it's all fake. Economics <laughs> don't, is all don't, fake. Don't, 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 don't tell my dad that. <laughs> I don't care. He's a grown-ass man who should hear the hard truths in life sometime. <laughs> um, all right, Helen, we got another uh series that's going to get turned to live action the thankfully streets of rage is based off a video game series so there's a very good chance this is going to be seeing the light of day eventually uh lionsgate uh has acquired the rights to doing live action of the series so looking forward to beating up people uh, or seeing people get beat up on the on the widescreen 
in the future Helen, or maybe not if it gets in the development hell. We'll find out. And then finally, I know we've mentioned a couple of Kickstarter funding campaigns for Dropkick on My Devil before, and so apparently for Dropkick on My Devil X, they were trying to partner up with um, Ferrano City, seeing if they could, you know, do a Ferrano City um, focused episode, you know, kind of, you know, get some budget from them, you know, but um, they, uh, Ferrano City Select Committee for Budget Audits announced on Tuesday that it did not approve the city settlement of general accounts, as it is deemed the Ferrano focused episode of Dropkick on My Devil X anime as inappropriate. They were going to contribute about, um, about 33 million yen. But, um, <laughs> the committee member said that the Ferrano episode's plot, where the titular Jackson Chan attempts to sell her organs to pay off her debts, is, quote, socially unacceptable and, quote, cast Ferrano in a bad light. <laughs> Another committee member said in rebuttal that the story is just a random episode's premise and should not be taken out of context for the sake of this argument. Mayor Takitoshi Kita expresses deep disappointment on the vote and his regret at what he described as an encroachment on the freedom of expression. According to the city council office, this is the first time in 17 years that a general account settlement has not been approved. I don't even know what to say to that. This is just... Have they not watched anime or have they not read manga before in their lifetime to not hear this plotline before? Listen, they are allowed to say, you know what, we don't want to spend money on this. We don't want to be associated with this. But it's still pretty funny. <laughs> just, just, incredible. Just what, what is happening here? Your tax dollars not at work. <sighs> Well, I, I think this is a perfect way to end the episode with a, a city denying funding for an, a character trying to sell their organs and trying to, you know, do that in anime. It's, 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 it's terrifically fun to end the episode like that. So, all right. Uh, you can follow the OSG podcast, podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. You can subscribe to any RSS you got or by email. You can... Uh, Find the OSG Twitter at the OSG. Yes, Twitter still exists, so you can definitely go to that to get all the news. That was fun when it seemed Futures. like it might die the day before Anime NYC. Uh, yeah, it was nice to see people just randomly jumping on Hive and promoting all of his good futures and saying, yeah, join me at Hive. I'm like, but I don't know what that is. How did it get so popular so fast? It is How? app only, and you cannot see their terms and terms of service until after you've already signed up. Wee sounds fun. Um, you can find me still on Twitter at Kami underscore Nomi. Uh, at some point, I am going to finally get all the Fire Emblem tra uh, Three Houses art that I retreated months, weeks ago on my laptop because the art is really good. Also, if you, I did, I obviously was, I did post some anime New York City stuff on on the Twitter, but I also did post my my Fire Emblem, Fire Emblem Three Houses buys while I was there. So, yeah, there you go. Ooh, I think I missed that tweet. Um, I am also still on Twitter and will be there until Twitter dies. Um, this is not the first social media meltdown fiasco I've seen. It is at least my third by this point in time. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at WanderingDreamer. Uh, I am setting up accounts on other sites, but I'm not posting there yet. So if anyone is impersonating me for some goddamn reason, it's not me. <laughs> uh, you can also find the other podcast I co-host at Mong in Your Ears. Uh, we're hopefully going to be recording new episodes soon. Just the shenanigans of November and COVID pushed us back on all of our plans. So I need to read Mob Psycho 100 at some point in the near future. <laughs> Until next time, folks. See ya! Bye!